Okay, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another new energy chinwork with Charlie Ratton and myself, John Massey. Hi, Charlie. Yeah, good, uh, good, good, good day to everybody. Uh, okay, so today we thought um, we should spend some time just considering the what's the unfortunately the issue of the day, which is COVID nineteen and its effect on obviously the economy and the the world coming to a bit of a standstill. Um, but look how that might in in particular affect renewables and some of the things that that we've been talking about recently not not so much in terms of sort of grand 2050 visions but in in the short term so for example um will it delay some of the construction of some of the projects we've we've talked about in the past offshore wind hydrogen that kind of stuff uh, will it actually accelerate some of those things um there are changes obviously around around commuting patterns and um <clears throat> potentially more car use on the one hand, but also trying to encourage more bike use. Um, there's obviously been changes in electricity demand. How quickly will that recover? Will that affect some of the um, requirements in the market and so on? Um, so I guess an obvious one to kick off on, given that we've talked about it quite a lot. Um, we've talked about offshore wind a lot. There are projects um, at very low prices, hopefully coming in up in sort of 2023 time frame. <clears throat> Are they going to be delayed, Charlie? Yeah, what, uh, what tends to happen with least. the major projects on the ground, if you uh, like, is that when you sign up your various uh, elements of your project, one thing that people forget is that you're actually on the hook to the grid. And so that actually drives the rest of the programme. It's not trivial. Uh, when, you, when you sign up to the grid, obviously there's a bit for them to do. They do quite a bit of background work, including the, uh, the reinforcements needed on the, uh, on, on the transmission and distribution networks. And, and then obviously they've got to switch people off whilst they switch you on. It's not a case of just flipping a switch. There's a bit to it. And so you need to engage with them in a meaningful manner and show commitment, uh, commitment as defined by lots of money, uh, to, to, to get the grid offer. And once you've got that grid offer, there's specified dates and all kinds of things uh, come from it. So uh, once uh, once you've got that, you then rejig, if you're a competent developer, you rejig your project program. You put your milestones in order to meet that grid date. And what I suspect that's going to happen now, and in fact I know it's happening, is that there's going to be some slip on the critical path, as it's called, on the programme. So that means that programmes, sometimes in an advanced state of, uh, of being, are going to be rejigged. <clears throat> Obviously that's confounded. People can't get out of sight or haven't been able to get out of sight for, uh, for lockdown. Um, it's been like a survival mode for grid, let's focus on keeping the existing grid running uh, rather than uh, on, on projects. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the guidance comes out with people working. A lot of this is field-based, um, how the distancing, how other elements of project-related work um, emerge as we come out of, of lockdown in, in a controlled manner. So yes, um, when, and of course there are implications of that because obviously as you've got the grid, you might then start to look at your PPA, which is uh, <laughs> usually a pretty complex document, and you might look at other mission-critical elements of the projects. And if you're on the hook for vessels, for example, and you start booking them, um, you'd have to look at your contracts to see what commitments have been made where. Uh, I know that vessels are being stood down offshore, so there's not a great deal of construction. You know, this is about the start of the construction season, Easter to October, is when offshore wind is, is built for obvious reasons, and indeed onshore. Uh, and that's not happening this year. So yeah, that, I mean that was that was a point I was about to make. I mean, it, the, the timing is not great because um, we've had we've had glorious weather recently yeah. 
in the UK. Um, it would be the time when obviously they'd be getting on doing the construction, time to get it all sorted before the autumn. Um, I guess if this goes a delay of a couple of months in construction actually turns into a delay of almost a year. Yeah, especially now. I mean, it's, it's when, you, when you're working offshore, the, the, the shift patterns are not the same. It's not a nine to five. You go out there and you work pretty intensely, sometimes two weeks on, two weeks off. So it's 24-7 out there. And obviously, the conditions have been favourable. The days are long at this time of year. And uh, it's a good time uh, to, to build, uh, optimal. Uh, so it's not a case of, oh, we'll just push the program uh, back two months. You then find you're into, if you do that, you might be then into uh, the unseasonal elements and you really don't want to be out in the North Sea in November, December, uh, January. So you might be looking, if you can go out at that time, what you can actually construct, whether the construction premiums, your, your insurance premiums go up, whether the vessels are still chartered. So the whole supply chain thing, the logistics chain, which is already rigorous offshore it has to be the sheer cost if you've got 10 vessels at half a million pounds per day it doesn't take much weather risk is always right at the very top of risk registers perhaps apart from covid19 now uh, that uh, uh, your, your weather risk is there and you've lost two months and that can be fatal well not going to say fatal you're certainly going to feel it deeply but it's going to have a couple of knock-on effects uh, including your your your, um, your project returns because um, you're going to miss seasons, which means that the generation date, which we just mentioned with grid, is pushed back. You presumably be on the hook for the money that you've uh, booked, and yet you've got no income coming in whilst you're paying out. It'll be a sl slightly slower rate with all the contracts to unpick. So it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare trying to unpick that. I wouldn't I wouldn't like to have to be involved in in, in unpicking um, that. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't actually know what the um situation with the CFDs is because obviously they they you've you've won a CFD to start operating in 2023 or whatever um I'm, I'm assuming there is some slack in those or there will be some slack in those but again it means as you say it means your revenue is, is potentially going to be six months a year further down the line so so yeah it will certainly have a knock-on effect um I don't whether it will allow them to do any re renegotiation of prices and so on, I think is probably unlikely. Um, so I suppose it's just part of your, your project risk and part of your investor risk. Yeah, uh, there's been no risk register that I've seen in 10, 15 years in the industry that's had a, a pandemic uh, mm, particularly yeah. high <laughs> on it. Yeah. So there might be some amended, uh, there are a few amended on the, uh, after uh, Fukushima, after on the nuclear side, on the, mm. on, on the case, on the, uh, the business case studies on their, on, on their health and safety side, but haven't seen one on specifically on this. So that might be changed going forward. I suppose because it's global, uh, there is an amount of realisation during the supply chain, during the grid. There will be, I don't know if this force majeure type of thing will be uh, invoked or uh, defined, but that might be something that we see. Um, obviously, the supply chain is engaged. It understands that it's not the developer's fault and it's certainly not grid's fault that this has come from almost uh, nowhere. Uh, and there will be costs associated with, as there would be any major projects, I suppose, especially so when you're offshore and harsh marine environments with vessels contracted and grid dates to meet and all milestones, all these things need unpicking. And there's a lot of them to unpick. They're, they're often uh, kind of this, this is the, it's integrated. So it's not a case of just, oh, I'll just push that back. You might find three or four other ones then have to go back and the resourcing that goes with it, <laughs> all the other things. Uh, and then some of them are time time critical as well. Uh, you might have yeah. conditions. So I mean, it's not just a case of, you have to get buy-in from a whole heap of stakeholders to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the other, the flip side of it is that, um, I mean, the government obviously is very keen to 
get the economy moving again. Uh, they're very keen on getting things built. Uh, so construction is one of the sectors that they've they've looked to open up, not necessarily offshore wind farm construction, but construction in general. Um, I mean, it, for those offshore wind farms already in process, there's not, I guess, there's not a lot um, that, that can be done to help. But I suppose it'd be interesting to see whether it perhaps accelerates the process for, for some other things to just to yeah. get get more things ticking over uh, and I suppose for other other areas I mean we've talked about hydrogen for example um, where things are already in process there's, there's a few pilots and demos and, and so on but there's not it's not like big scale project development going on um, but perhaps it will be something that will be again will be brought forward uh, it gives a bit more impetus and a bit more uh, motivation from a policy side to get some money yeah. flowing in yeah, nobody's talking about austerity anymore, are they? And, uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, actually back in fashion. <laughs> <laughs> a lot <laughs> of things come in and out of fashion, as we've discussed in other podcasts. But one thing that was of interest in the, uh, and I think either the European or the German Parliament, is that uh, I think uh, Mrs. Van Leyden was uh, stood up and she said, look, this is the way that we're going to come out of this um, situation. We're going to prioritise uh, offshore wind. And we're going to prioritise what she called clean hydrogen as well. So, and I expect that not just to be German specific or Euro specific. There are good reasons for uh, thinking that that might Im Im impact the UK as as well. So, I think of all the tech, uh, I think there's, it's it's quite well placed. I think they might well say, look, you're you're on a good trajectory. It's clearly working. Uh, there's clearly impetus, and and and, and let's let's prioritise it. So, um, at the background policy side, let's hope, uh, and the and the political will as well might align quite nicely for the industry, but that's still a hope rather than, than, than defined at the moment. Yeah, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the, I guess no one knows the timeframes at the moment because we we don't know what, what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see, the, I mean, there's a whole bunch of kind of important kind of milestones that were down in Parliament for kind of um, studies, consultations and so on around around not just hydrogen, but other, other elements of clean energy. Um, so, so I guess what's going to be key is whether this kind of talk of a, a kind of green <clears throat> growth actually turns into kind of action. Um, yes. And that's, yeah, I mean, that, as we say, that wouldn't necessarily affect short term projects that are already up and running, have already got finance and are constructing. I mean, I think in the short term, as you say, they're probably going to take a hit. There's probably going to be some delays, but it's whether it it brings forward some of the next the next in the that aren't yet in the queue but it makes it brings those queues a bit further forward and kind of accelerates maybe in the kind of three three to five year time frame you get things yeah. appearing that would have been six seven eight years further further yeah. into the future yeah. yeah i think that's right i think one of the things that will be stalled a little bit is the cost reduction <coughs> element of it with these uh, ever falling prices i think you might see a reversal of uh, that for uh, mm. the reasons that we've just been through and that will give a little bit of a knock uh, back because uh, mm. it's not just uh, predicated on a certain assumption uh, but uh, I think more widely there is a re realisation that this is exceptional it's not something that uh, you know is, what is this as, as, as reasonably predictable or uh, as, as, as uh, it came from nowhere as far as everybody's concerned not just offshore wind uh, I think uh, I don't think there's too much going on at Hinkley for example at the uh, at the yeah. moment to see whether yeah. the major projects go uh, in elsewhere uh, but it might it might just push back some of the assumptions so we've talked about them the costs ever falling under 40 on was it under 40 pounds a, a megawatt for the last yeah. thing yeah. whether the that last. can continue mm. very much doubt 
Yeah, I, well, I guess you're. I guess that's what you signed up to. So, I guess perhaps that's where the developer <laughs> takes the hit. Um, yeah. Or at some point, I guess they've not. They've probably not reached financial close on those, so they've probably yeah. still got time to say, "Well, yeah. actually, we can't do it." When the developer takes the hit, they'll look to pass that on, of course, which is means ultimately yeah. the supply chain. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, there could be there could be losers in this. I mean, I suppose beyond kind of those big projects, there's there's some things we've seen. Um, we've seen electricity demand drop. And so as a result, because we've had, as I say, a very sunny um, couple of months and actually quite a windy couple of months, yeah. what we've seen is that the grid has managed really quite high percentages of, of renewables. So, I mean, that's kind of been an interesting snapshot because it's sort of, it's it's as if demand has stayed the same, but renewables was a much higher percent. It's kind of been like a view forward into whether the grid can cope with, I can't remember what shares we got up to, but I think it was kind of 60, 70% yeah. share of the demand at some point. And so the grid can obviously cope. So it's, it's been a, a good lesson in terms of we can go um, Those of us that fought the battles and have the grey hair to, to prove it, we're always told that couldn't happen, uh, that mm, the grid yeah. wouldn't, you know, there's going to be some horrible kind of uh, year 2000 type event it was going to yeah, fall yeah. over and bad things. Well, we're, we're told so that with only 10 or 15 percent, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so that's now, so that's so, so some of the rules are going to have to be rewritten about what is, mm. isn't it? Of course, that's going to give comfort. Um, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the air seems to have a crystal clear alpine, and this is Lancashire we're talking about, alpine quality to it at the, uh, at the moment. <laughs> And one of the unexpected drivers, it's not so much of the of the wind, but it's a clean air agenda out there. And I wonder yeah, yeah. whether that might gather a little bit of traction along with things like cycling to work, working remotely, not all the time, but perhaps a day or two. Um, those of us in utilities already do that. We do it with our with our mm. work, with our training and stuff. But others might say, well, yeah, we'll do three days a week in the office, but two days a week you might work remotely, which will ease the traffic and ease pollution and, and, and enable the grid to be rebalanced in effect as well. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a, there's a few things in there. I noticed it was like it was yesterday or the day before Twitter had announced that um, they're going to allow any of all their employees or any employee that wants to to basically work from home for as long as they want. Um, so they've made that option. I mean, I've like, said a number of times that I think a lot of firms will decide, well, actually, why have we got all this yeah. expensive yeah. office space? Yeah. yeah. And we're actually finding people can work perfectly well yeah. at home. So yeah. I think, and, and I don't think that will. I think in the short run, a lot of people will choose to work from home and a lot of yeah. firms will be happy for them to do that because they can yeah. re renegotiate things like office space. Um, but that will make, definitely make a difference on the roads um, yeah. or, or at least in terms of, well, maybe not the roads because the other thing, of course, is that public transport, I think, is, yeah. is going to be hard hit and maybe more people go into cars. And I, I think those th two things combined together, people getting used to nice, clean air, but then having to be in cars, I think there'll be a lot more thinking about clean transport yeah that will come to yeah. the fore quite a yeah. lot more in the in the short term term um yeah. i think people will be thinking about what cars they buy and that will yeah. also potentially feed into policy uh, and we've also seen cities i mean like milan we're all we're talking about um where they'd closed roads and so on i mean not opening them up to traffic again but turning them into more into cycling routes and that kind of stuff yeah. Yeah, so I, I think Manchester is uh, is thinking along similar lines. And, and yeah, so I think cities will take the opportunity. Well, we've already got a net zero by 2038. Perhaps it's an opportunity to accelerate that. Curiously, anecdotally, all the adverts I've seen for cars have been for electric vehicles, or at mm. the very least electric and high. I don't think I remember seeing a traditional yeah. uh, a, a yeah. car advert in the last eight, nine months. Yeah, yeah. So I think 
I think in, even in the short run, I think what we'll see is a kind of acceleration of some of the infrastructure, if you can call it that, but kind of switching over of infrastructure to try and and yeah. try and make this switch happen to make it yeah. easier to cycle into work or to make yeah. it easier to um, to buy certain types of vehicle, um, cleaner vehicles rather than dirtier vehicles and so on. Um, electric bikes, I mean, yeah, hear yeah. a lot about electric bikes. Yeah, well, we've, we've discussed that. that got one. It's been, a, I think you're looking yeah. to get one now. Is I think that was that was timely. I think I think the other thing, unexpected things, that one is electronic documentation. Every company that I've worked for the last 25 years has always had a, a paperless office type yeah. of uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a policy or agenda or at least a clean desk. And, I suspect that now might be a good time. Thinking back to the project practicalities, certainly some companies have still got what they used to call wet signature policies, which you, you, mm. your document isn't authentic mm. until you get the fit. And it was like almost not quite a quill, but a, pound, a fountain pen would emerge yeah. from a, <laughs> the relevant person. Yeah, and then it was, and then it's through, and then it's authentic. But that obviously hasn't been the case with yeah. you know planning inspectorate and the stakeholders and stuff. So I would expect an upsurge. And it's almost another circular going back 25 years. Fortunately, the tech has moved on. So there are ways of authenticating documents. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a – I saw this at the innovation thing I went to pre-lockdown in Liverpool in which some of this tech was so good that you could almost take a manual of, you know, how to, how to change a sprocket in a, in a nacelle. Mm. And you put some goggles on and the, 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 the manual would jump up in your goggles or from your mm. smartphone – and it would talk you through it. And the thing would start yeah. flashing green and the spanner would start moving to the to the right. Mm. And it meant that the training could be delivered uh, in a different manner, which would further reduce cost. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's an upsurge. People are now familiar with uh, with this kind of tech. We've been using Zoom and Skype for, for two years for our podcast, but a lot of people haven't. They've had laptops, but not really made them work. So it's been a, a quick learning. Uh, and people oh, quite like this. Uh, this, this. This has worked well. So I expect some, some in, innovative... Tech, technical solutions, internet-based, perhaps 5G-based, smartphone-based, uh, to become mainstream rather than innovative and, and niche. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of the, some of that occurs. Yeah, there's a few a few other things on the kind of smart grid side, I suppose. The other, there's a company called Octopus, who yeah. have this agile tariff, which is basically a tracker tariff, so it tracks the wholesale tariff. Um, and I noticed that recently when there's been negative prices on the um, on the wholesale market, because we've had so much sunshine and everyone's been at home and demand's been quite low, um, people have actually been getting paid to take electricity. Um, now, it means they could get paid to charge their car. They can't drive anywhere in it, obviously, <laughs> so it's not ideal. But um, but that those kind of things, I think, have received quite a bit more attention as well. When people have been spending more time at home, they're probably thinking a bit more about their electricity usage and they'll probably yeah. see their electricity bills yeah. go up. And yeah. then they're thinking, well, hang on a minute, if I'm seeing these headlines about the fact you can actually shift your usage and, yeah. and use a smart tariff um, yeah. through a smart meter and, and reduce your bill. So I, I think the whole, the working from home thing, I think yeah. also, as well as the the work side of it, will yeah. will also focus some minds on things like domestic costs yeah. and some of the smart yeah. grid. Yeah. Um, and and I know also I guess I mean it's a bit off our patch, but the whole kind of internet access thing. Yeah, the idea. they were yeah. talking that, that was, a few years ago about uh, universal broadband, which it was a political sort of issue. Funny enough, that one, and, and it, it wasn't wasn't widely acclaimed. Well, it certainly got some acclaim, but now and that might if, if you're a Tesla Powerwall station uh, salesman at the moment, I would have mm. thought it might be an interesting. I did yeah. read the thing about um, I think a development in South Wales where costs had come down from 70 pounds per whatever metric to one pound a really dramatic reduction mm. it's only a small scale project 
But I can certainly see that people are going to get much more savvy. They've got tools. You don't have to work it out yourself. There's some, some tracker on your phone will tell you when to give you an alert at the optimal time uh, to switch. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I was speaking to a developer just the other day who kind of sells these things. Um, and, and yeah, he was saying very much battery. It used to be, until recently, battery was something that you'd have potentially with your solar panels to kind of store that but actually there's a there's a case now especially with these kind of tracker tariffs whereas just having a standalone battery and so and it's it's automated so what happens is that the the battery when it can see the tariffs are, are very very low or, or negative and you know these are day ahead so for example with the octopus one you're not guessing they tell you a day ahead what the prices at different hours are going to be and so you just need a bit of software that, that looks at that and says okay i'll charge the battery between three and seven um and then when it gets to the following evening between five and seven when prices are very high it, you don't draw anything from the grid the battery auto automatically the smart system in the house takes out of the battery into your home and you don't draw anything from the grid and so again that's about reducing your your costs overall so so yeah i think those kind of those kind of systems i think um will get a lot more attention yeah. get, get a bit of a boost as well of course that might negate the need for uh, the delightful pylons marching across the countryside if people can use the existing infrastructure more effectively more smartly yeah it's a pity that the roads with these big signs saying 50 miles an hour all the time uh, couldn't have perhaps been in an app i did talk to some of my sse colleagues about some of the smart metering and they're a bit suspicious about it and say, well, look, it's a bit of a job creation thing now. There's far better ways <laughs> of, uh, you know, when we thought of this 15 mm. years ago, nobody had iPads or iPhones. And now yeah. uh, there's, there's far better ways of purveying the same information. Uh, and that might spur it on. So we're talking about um, uh, really using the, the brains and the machine uh, learning and the intelligence that's uh, built in. I think I think the iPhones have got absolute phenomenal. Um, I was involved in the early days of IT with the uh, with the old 14K modems, and we were quite delighted to get a pathetic little speed. And these things are now working at 5G, and they're talking about offshore streaming operations offshore in real time, not just to one device, but to 64 to everybody working onshore, which further mm. reduces the uh, cost. And it sounds like octopus. I can certainly see things uh, also with regard to monitoring of the assets, you know, the kit, SCADA, uh, condition monitoring, yeah. all being done from your laptop, right? Why do you need to make that journey? Do you really need to be, do you need to be offshore? If, if you need to be onshore, do you need to be in the base? Or mm. can you effectively, if you've got, you might want to think I'll get a backup internet in case the first one goes down or I'll get two separate providers we already do that when you are loan working uh, in onshore wind farms where you thought mm -hmm. you can't be reliant on data is going to be really really important and that, and that have that 24 7 uh reliability yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the cost thing and again the cost thing also goes down to the domestic levels i mean one of my neighbors commutes in and out of london um every day or used to um so he's saving what kind of two or three hundred quid a month probably yeah. in terms of commuting costs from yeah, working from home so, and there'll be loads of people like that and there may be yeah. people paying more than that as well so so again I, I think that will kind of focus minds for people as yeah. to actually well even if it's not all week because i want to see people occasionally yeah. maybe i'll do it two yeah. or three times a week yeah. or, or yeah, whatever um, that. so that that will certainly play into i think <clears throat> shifting I mean, ultimately, if, a lot, if millions of people do that, it will shift demand. It will shift yeah. where demand happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it will certainly encourage some of these, some of the kind of more people to think a bit more about their electricity usage, yeah. shifting it because it will shift into the day 
uh, yeah. rather than all being evening focused. Yeah. So if they can time shift that, it will help yeah. some of the tariffs. Yeah. So yeah. I think even in the short run, we'll, we might see some some quite strong changes in how people think about buying yeah. electricity and some innovation around how that's delivered for them and automated for them. We've talked on the gas grid, haven't we, about how we can reuse the existing kit and repurposing it. I wonder you get far more out of your your road network, even if you did. You didn't even have to have days off. You could just say, look, the flexi time. Do you remember that? The, 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 those, that was a real good benefit that you could go in before the traffic and come back after, and sh mm. shuffle around it and do the various things. And if you were to say, look, I don't think it's any secret that the busiest day on the road is Mondays. And if you were to stagger and give people... One thing we liked in America is they had this nine-day fortnight. Now, that might be a... You remember that one of the things that I think... I'm not sure if it was in the Labour manifesto, but this four-day week came up. But if employers are flexible, we can't give you a four-day week, but we can give you a four-day week plus one day's homeworking. That might be a little mm. uh, step uh, and or a bit of flexi time. And it will reduce a whole heap of um, crush points out on, on, on various networks, if that kind of thing. And I, I find it hard to believe that people wouldn't start investigating that for endless reasons now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah, there'll be lots of reasons, both from the employer's point of view. As I say, things like office space, um, that'll be a big one. Probably not, if you're a commercial landlord, it's probably not a great... A great <laughs> so, yeah, there'll out, be but... losers. There'll be losers in the equations as well, of <laughs> so course. There'll be, there'll be certainly people losing out. Um, but yeah, I think, as you say, I think the pollution, um, people are very become very aware of of that side of things which will, will definitely adjust kind of purchasing decisions and so on um yeah the the percentage of renewables certainly certainly been a big a big part of it um uh, something else popped into my head and it's popped straight out again on, on renewables but um yeah i mean other i mean on the uh, heating i suppose that's it's not the time of year that it's had any effect effect on heating um so I, I guess i'm just going through the various other things we've talked about um in terms of gas demand i'd not really i think gas demand has gone down partly naturally because we've had good weather um, yeah. but around the world it's also gone down yeah uh, so prices have been coming down um i mean oil prices have obviously come down as well yeah. so i mean what do you think in terms of the trade-off there because because yeah. petrol petrol is very yeah. cheap because obviously when you look at your models uh, for your major projects oil is it's perhaps a major part of it so uh, it's not necessarily good news for renewable projects if the oil price was to um to, to, to plummet however what some of the developers do say well you should regard certainly offshore renewables as something of a hedge it's more predictable it's not cheap uh, but perhaps it is cheap now but uh, you know it's pretty it's pretty predictable which uh, people like certainly with the with the forecasting side but there's some counterintuitive things which i was surprised at when i started to investigate uh, models and how much of it was based around um, the oil price uh, it's, it's substantial um, obviously the cost of offshore wind has come has come down and obviously <laughs> oil prices remain volatile i think and, and there are political dimensions to that it's not just the uh, the current uh, crisis where uh, you get the feeling that some some countries are trying to knock other countries sectors out mm. um, at opportune uh, times which is comes back to our geopolitical uh, podcast where we, we stretch wide so uh, but but it is it's not always good news for renewables that oil prices uh, plummet far, far far from it which I, I was a bit surprised at it's one of those counterintuitive things but one of the things you did raise there was on the geo geopolitical side I, I, I guess if if there's one thing that will certainly change as a result of this, I think it will be countries thinking about dependencies on other countries, yeah, yeah. all sorts of things, supply yes. chains for food, yeah. but energy, a big part of that. And that certainly plays into the hands of um, <clears throat> encouraging more domestic supply. Yeah. 
yeah. more so in the in the case of the UK yeah build having more of our supply from offshore wind um, <coughs> more of our supply from solar more of our supply from other other bits and pieces um, <coughs> turning some of that despite the inefficiencies potentially turning some of that into hydrogen to fill a gap rather than importing oil yeah. and gas to do do those things so yeah. so yeah I, th I think I would say politically that's certainly going to yeah, it's not been talked about so much yet, but I think that. Yeah, no, no, uh, you can certainly see. You might call it autarky or something like that. They're not, they might be paying slightly more, mm -hmm. but you do have a degree of resilience when things yeah. go a bit pear-shaped. Which uh, uh, certainly some of the supply chain companies out there, you really wouldn't want them uh, dictating when you kind of not kind of put your uh, electricity on. That's so for sure, especially with the with the new grid that we're going to have with regard to EVs and all the other things that we're talking mm -hmm. about. It's going to be very different going forward to the grid that served us reasonably well uh, to, to date. So it's a case of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but building on it and, and learning from it. And I, th I think people are starting to have the discussions uh, now, which is which is good news. It's not always been something <laughs> that's attracted yeah. a great deal of interest outside our little niche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the kind of cheapest is not always not always best <laughs> discussion <laughs> going on. I mean, again, sort of we're leaping about a bit, but you mentioned supply chain i suppose one of the dangers for for the bigger companies really and for a lot of this is that um it's supply chain companies that potentially are going to be the biggest hit by yeah. this because they've not got the deepest pockets to yeah. not yeah. work for three months or six yeah. months or whatever yeah. um so it'd be interesting to see whether it comes as part of comes within the kind of industrial strategy or whatever or or to what extent big companies sort of have to be a bit more flexible with supply chain um in terms of contracts and prices and so on because otherwise they won't have a supply chain to <laughs> yeah, yeah well, to well that, that's right you're grinding too hard and then suddenly you've got nothing there and then you are uh, 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 procurement policies really smart procurements within utility tend to have two or three separate strands even for the same mm. bit of kit, even if it means paying more because i think for every major offshore wind project there's been some, one member of the supply chain's gone down and mm. that's in the good time so you can certainly see in the longer run, I mean, you hope that the IP is still there and that the, the, the manufacturing capability is still there. So perhaps there'll be an acquisition or buyouts or some, if somebody has some deep pockets, God forbid, at the moment, there might be some smart things, to an opportunity mm. for somebody to make a kind of a vertical integration uh, market and say, well, look, now's a good opportunity to, to nail it. So we're not we're not susceptible to some, some future events. And it doesn't have to be a pandemic, but some other event that can knock out elements of the supply chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's true. Yeah. I guess yeah, the bigger the those in deeper pockets often do quite well in recessions because they can <laughs> buy stuff on the cheap. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that would be an issue. But yeah, certainly those. Um, it, I guess it's the supply chain side. We we talked earlier on about potential pain for the bigger companies, but certainly yeah. the smaller companies must yeah. be feeling it. And yeah. and I suppose the risk is whether some of the companies that aren't supply chain yet but were kind of starting yeah. businesses and being innovative yeah. and so on whether some of that innovation right. gets pushed back yeah yeah i, I can certainly uh, speak from uh, personal experience there they certainly um obviously they're not flush with money the mm. money that i have might be a grant awarded or some specific allocation uh, for money and uh, that, that they certainly are feeling the pain which is a, a mm. real shame that but that's that's the reality of it and uh, so, so some of the innovations and i wonder how much of the cost reduction put into cfd rounds is actually based Upon stuff that is a little bit notional as well, you know. This yeah, is the, yeah. you know, this is what we assumed, blah blah blah, and this is what we're going to bid at, and there might be a revision upwards as, as reality hits home. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, a lot of those, certainly those bids when it's 
several years hence. I mean, they've they've got to be factoring in assumptions on on prices and costs that aren't necessarily the same as today. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether some of those how whether they've they've been too optimistic uh, whether this affects their um, as you say it affects their rate of return ultimately it's all very exciting isn't it when things are going well and everybody regards you as a success story and costs are clearly on a downward trajectory and then you bid accordingly and then something comes like this and who knows who knows what i mean we've spent 10 years developing the supply chain but then from what we are saying they're going to be the ones um, certainly under pressure and mm. um that, that, that's going it's, 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 to somehow it's got to work. So the industry, I hope it take a longer term view, and saying that the project lengths for offshore wind are now seventy years effectively, and we would like it for the long haul. And this was never, never going to be a short term quick fix. It was part of a, a of a long term transition, which, which is the whole point of the transition is it's, it's gradual, and that, that, that you take hits along the way in, in your stride, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess. Other sectors, we, we've not really talked about airlines, <laughs> which is, yeah, I think they might be retail, might be another be one few, that you wouldn't be rushing to buy the shares from, and yeah, so where, where the bailouts are going to go. <clears throat> if a, few, go. a few bailouts, I guess, to come there, and I guess it, it will be it will Additional be important bailouts. to how those bailouts happen. So whether they are tied to any yeah. kind of greening or cleaning up, because yeah. um, again, even if even if they're tied to cleaning up, which is not realistically going to happen instantly it's going to happen over kind of a decade or so um it does give a signal if you're a startup or an innovator or you're yeah. looking at for example know, for example clean cleaner aviation yeah. fuels yeah. um derived in various ways it would certainly give impetus for those kind of businesses to get yeah. going and to get funding and yeah. and it's it sort of i think that's why some of those the kind of political decisions on on where it goes next will have a it does have a short even though it might be goals that are in the distant future um it will have a short-term impact because yeah. it gives investors confidence that they can fund early stage companies that are doing this stuff yeah. um because they know it's that's the direction of travel so i, I think that's why some of those decisions will be so important even, they might not come to fruition until several years hence but in the short run they can certainly start generating economic activity and start generating business because yeah. because companies know the kind of roadmap know where they're going yeah. so i think i think they'll be hugely important over the next few months to a year is yeah. how these the details of some of these recovery plans and, and whether there are tie-ins to particular kind of directions of travel yeah if you were a company making kit for offshore Oil and gas platforms. You might be wondering whether there's an alternative for the for the, yeah. for the product. If you were looking at making diesel engines, you might be thinking. If you're a retailer, you might be thinking, well, hold on, people have got used to now deliveries now. Mm. They're quite comfortable with internet delivery, and it's gone uh, rather well. I can certainly see that. And it was already um, affecting the high street. I think um, I had read reports of a third of the high street going mm. in a couple of years. Well, I can see that being accelerated, which leaves a existential issue for the high streets what are they going to they're still there the buildings are still there but yeah, yeah. That might then impact on whether they could be repurposed and whether that will then impact home building if people are moving into town to live in old shops do they need the out of town <laughs> house building uh, um yeah program so that'd be sort of unexpected there transport we've already mentioned in in the round retail flight holidays I can certainly see football, um, one of the industries close to my heart, being re-baselined. I mean, it seems a little bit um, bizarre uh, to be talking about inflated transfer fees for things that's not yeah. even <laughs> out there. So I think that may, there might be a few casualties, sadly, 
on um, on that side. Uh, so that might be sport. Well, that obviously that's it's, 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 it's had quite a, a good last 10, 15 years, certainly the football industry has with some of the fees. And uh, I don't know how much is percolated to grassroots, but I think there might be a rebalancing of, of that particular industry, which is big for the UK economy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and um, I, know, I would imagine that's quite a, I mean, to get back to energy, probably has quite a big footprint in terms of fan travel and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah. as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I suppose that's the thing in terms of, wider energy demand it's all these all these trends that seem kind of in other industries and elsewhere all ultimately feed into kind of levels of energy demand levels of um and both in terms of electricity and and, and transport particularly um and also where that demand happens so as i say i think there'll be a big trend of demand more movement of demand towards the home particularly yeah, yeah, in daytime yeah, as people work yeah, from home yeah. um and we've already seen a bit of that um yeah. and so that has obviously implications for where you where you build and where you need to upgrade yeah. infrastructure what smart good infrastructure you have to put into place uh, what smart home tariffs and so on people yeah. use um so yeah there's a there's a whole bunch of I guess it's. I guess there we're talking about things that have already happened because they had to happen. Yeah, yeah. How how locked in they become. So I, I suppose over the next few years, what will be critical is is kind of whether whether people do gradually drift back to what they were doing before, which yeah. some will, but I think a yeah. lot won't. Yeah. And how much of the chain, the, what we regard as kind of exceptional behaviour now, yeah. becomes locked in behaviour. Yeah. So if that becomes locked in. To a large extent, then even in the very short term, that will have really quite big yeah, consequences yeah. for the even energy. Simple, uh, even simple things, don't we? We're talking some of our courses about, you know, at the half-time interval in Coronation Street, twenty million kettles might mm. go on at the same time. But in reality, people are getting used to time shifting. They're getting used to Netflix. They're watching it in different ways. So the whole electricity peaking mm. uh, <laughs> may be uh, impacting, along with the time shifting element, which has got implications for tariffs and come back to the smart things you don't have to work this out yourself and be worried about whether it's some tariff is kicking in your phone will do all of that for you mm. and, 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 and so you just program it away you go and, and, and suddenly you're, you're there yeah i would i would it's expect a smart big, way of living not yeah, for everybody i would expect a big surge in companies looking at opportunities to do that at yeah. home this a smart home we've talked about it for ages yeah. and, and sort of smart systems in the home i, I think very quickly as more people spend more time at home, um, suddenly the market for that becomes a lot bigger. And and so, I mean, companies from kind of Amazon, your Alexa will become your your kind of energy um, controller as well. Google, yeah. Apple, they're all in, yeah. they're all involved in it already to a yeah. small extent. But I can see more of a push towards yeah. kind of smart systems and, and auto, it's automating it. So not expecting yeah, yeah. people to keep an eye. Yeah, I don't know whether this is out there yet. But if you were to buy an electric car, could you use that? Could you use the battery and plug that into your, into your yeah, well, I'll, I'll run the washing machine off the car. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's vehicle to grid. So I mean, that's yeah. early stages. There are there are kind of trials. It's not. I wouldn't say it's commercial yet. The 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 um the charging points themselves are, are a lot more expensive than a one-way charger yeah. this bi-directional charger but uh, the technology exists yeah. um there, there's various there's various things around standardization that are going on and so on and obviously cost reduction so but the, the technology is there people are playing around with well how what's the business case how how do we make money and, and maybe and yeah one of the i think a lot of people are focused on the the vehicle to grid so the you're using your car to actually put electricity into the into the wider grid, but I think in the short run, there's potentially a much more 
some much more interesting things around what you call vehicle to home. So as you say, you don't need to, you're not talking about putting electricity into the grid for a, everyone else to use. You're you're looking at just using your car as a because it's a big battery. I mean, a car electric car battery is is anywhere from kind of <clears throat> five to ten times the size of a typical sort of small stationary home battery. So so it's a big it's a big store of energy. And if it's sitting there doing nothing because you're working at home all day and you don't do many miles in it, then um and then yeah, why not charge it overnight and then use that as your your peak time um electricity demand for your for your fridge for your washing machine or whatever. So but yeah, yeah that, that will all happen. That, that yeah, yeah, will. yeah. This isn't science fiction now, is it? The the yeah. early trailblazers are, and then other people say, "Well, I like this," and then the, the the early adopters will pass the message if it's been mm-hmm. successful. And it will go as, as this happened with the tech that we're using now. It was two years ago when we started. It was a little bit innovative, but now it's just so routine. It's a part just like anything. It's like turning turning the kettle on, isn't it? Turning the uh, whichever. It's just a case of I've got so many apps on this phone. Uh, this PC now they've all got slightly different ringtones and things. He's mm. scrabbling around to see is it <laughs> is it Zoom, is it Teams, is it Hangouts, is it some other thing that I subscribe to one off and I've forgotten what that password is? That kind of uh, thing. There's a lot in there, John. Is there, is there anything else that we've not touched upon as part of this this brave new world? In some ways, a better world that we might be uh, moving into. Perhaps a slightly slower world, a slightly less yeah. stressed world in some well, ways. I mean, the, the, there's obviously zillions of things you could talk, but I guess what I if I was to summarise what we've kind of come up with, um, there, w- there will be an impact in the short run on projects currently in the pipeline in terms of delays and so on, especially some of those big um, big construction um, projects and, and the ones that are kind of time sensitive around seasonal weather and so on, so offshore wind will be affected. Um, I think that what happens in the next few months over, over kind of policy decisions will determine very quickly how quickly um some of those things rebound and in particular how quickly some of the stuff we've not seen yet new um new investment new projects and new innovation starts to happen and then and then kind of the last bit i think i think the shift to working at home which has kind of happened overnight really um is if that stay if that stays to a large even or even to i mean even a small a proportion of what it is now that that's almost like it's like an overnight shift in patterns of demand and patterns of electricity usage and so on which again i think will i think we've agreed will kind of spur a whole bunch of innovation and new kind of in the home smart home um equipment tariffs applications uh, about People being able to sort of control better what they use when they use it and, and how much it costs, not not by controlling it themselves in a complicated way, but having your, your phone or your system do it for you. You just say, I want the cheapest power. <laughs> and, and your kind of Alexa or your artificial intelligence or whatever, <clears throat> some box somewhere, juggles around whether it comes from the grid, the battery, your PV if you've got one, your car if you've got one, um, and just just basically manages it all and gives you the cheapest outcome for what you want to use. So I, I think that will happen. I think that's it's there already in niche applications. But what I think you will see very quickly is some of the big players think, well, hang on a minute, everyone's at home <clears throat> using electricity, um, <clears throat> using it at different times, potentially facing bigger bills. We can help them with that. It's a big market opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listening to if I was listening back to this podcast, I would. I think many people would find many parts of the future very, very attractive, and think, yeah. well, well, we'll have a little bit of that. At least try it, see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and I suppose that's uh, there's um, 
the classic looking for silver linings thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, there there, there have been there have been plenty. I think. I mean, I think the clean air. Everyone, yeah. I don't know, seems to comment on yeah. the, the clean air, and, and also, I mean, with planes. I mean, we we get planes coming to Stansted um, normally, and and the the lack of. I mean, we don't have loads. It's not like living yeah. under Heathrow or yeah. something. Um, but you do notice yeah. the reduction and also just the reduction in trails across the sky yeah. and all that stuff. So, I mean, people have, people like that aspect of it. And I don't think would be, um, would notice if, if we went back to what we're doing before. And I think, um, there are lots of people that don't like working from home. Um, but there are lots of people that do and have found yeah, it. I suspect a balance might be the, the option. You know, I, I can certainly see that you can go a bit do lally, not having that office, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, environment, but I suggest a hybrid uh, might be an option with uh, you know three or four days a week in the office or that nine day fortnight just to trial it that I mentioned, and then suddenly you you choose the day, and then it reduces the traffic yeah, yeah. As, yeah. as well. So, so I think that some of that will stick. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think there are there are things we, and I, as you said at the very beginning, I suppose, I mean whether this will stick, this kind of slower pace in some cases enforced slower pace i mean i know in some cases it's not if you've got kids at home which you normally are packed off to school then you're probably not at slower pace you're probably tearing your hair out so, <laughs> so there are some it's not yeah. not good news for everyone but there are there are some you know, some people certainly who are, i think are finding it's kind of been a bit of an enforced slower pace yeah. of doing whatever learning to cook of learning to do whatever um and yeah so i guess some people will will choose that as a as a preference going forwards as well so so yeah it's interesting times but i think and i think the, but the key thing is i think a lot of this is it's happened so quickly there's been some transformative changes so quickly um in terms of the electricity system and the energy system that um I don't think the we talk about the economy that people talk about a v-shaped recovery in in energy i don't think it will be symmetrical i think the point is i don't think it will be symmetrical um straight back to what we were doing before yeah. i think there will be a lot of things that will stick um yeah. Yeah, as long as it's not a pear-shaped recovery yeah that's yeah. all done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay i think that might be a good uh, yeah, yeah. to uh, to thank our listeners thanks for a slightly unusual uh, um uh, chinwag uh, today, yeah. but I you find we don't normally cover football, but anyway, <laughs> maybe we'll do one just on the football when it yeah. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> okay, yeah. so thanks very okay. much indeed for, for listening, and we uh, will be back to normal service uh, sooner rather than later. I think. Yeah, thanks everyone. Thank Bye. You. Bye.